How you doing, wrestling fans? And welcome to another edition of John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. This is episode 18 of the one podcast that brings you back with vintage audio from 30 years ago. Joining me this week, we got the entire team assembled. Uh, renowned wrestling journalist Bob Smith, also our producer and editor residing in the province of Quebec, Canada, in Montreal, Alex Robertson, and uh, Mr. Suntan himself uh, from the warm confides of the Sunshine State, the One Man Wrestling Encyclopedia. Joining us, I'm referring to Mr. Donnie Liable. So how you doing, everybody, team? It's good to see everybody. It's been a couple weeks. Yes, and it's really good to see you, John. In, yeah. in- I just want to say that again. It's yep. really good to see you, man. Well, I tell you, before we begin, I do want to address the elephant in the room. And uh, as I told you guys before we started taping, this elephant is a little bit lighter than he has been in a long time. Uh, and um, and that's because uh, my personal health situation, uh, it has been an interesting couple of weeks for me. Uh, we're taping this episode on Thursday, February 10th for the past two weeks. I've been down for the count. I contracted COVID. I started coming down with symptoms. Uh, It was kind of the day after we recorded our last podcast. And I think we recorded the last one on January the 27th. I'd gone out to dinner on January 26th, the day after my 65th birthday with some friends that I've known for many, many years, Suzanne Alexander and uh, Jim Asker, both of those people I worked with on Long Island and country radio. And they have been here in Nashville as long as I have. And Suzanne, I've worked with at GAC television for many years. One of my dearest friends. I mean, she's a sister from another mother for sure. And we're also out with country music artist Anita Cochran. Uh, we went to a place called Sperry Steakhouse here in Cool Springs in Franklin, Tennessee. And uh, a couple of days later, even on, I guess, on the night that we recorded the podcast on January 27th, I started developing a little bit of a cough. And on Friday, the 28th, I uh, developed a cough and it was kind of concerning me because I hadn't been sick in a couple of years. Uh, you know, since 2019, really, I hadn't been sick at all with anything. And by Saturday morning, uh, January 29th, uh, uh, fever, body aches, and I knew that uh, I had contracted this uh, COVID. I I just knew it. And uh, on Sunday, the 29th, I was able to get a PCR test, uh, uh, which takes a few days to come back. But I also had rapid tests done that day and showed that I was positive. Uh, And it really was a scary situation for me, even though I was double vaccinated. I was boosted um, with my age and with the, I guess, the pre-existing conditions. It really... uh, it really alarmed me uh, because I deteriorated so quickly uh, from, you know, fever, cold chills. Uh, it was just I wasn't I, I was kind of scared. I really was. And uh, my doctor, who uh, I've had for 20 years, Dr. Charles Maribel here in Franklin, Tennessee. I mean, uh, what a wonderful doctor. I mean, um, uh, he he visited me, came to my house you know, made sure he was, we were both fully masked and all of that because I was sick. And he he was very concerned. Uh, he tried to get me uh, monoclonal antibodies uh, because you got to put those in your system as quickly as you can once you get this. And 
we there weren't, weren't any here in Tennessee. One, one hospital had them, and then there were two uh, uh, experimental drugs that were uh, for uh, emergency use only. Uh, one of them made by Pfizer, and one by Merck. Uh, the Pfizer one was not available anywhere either. Uh, the other drug was uh, available, and he found it about 40 miles from where I lived, and I was able to get a regimen of that into me. Uh, but, you know, even though boosted vac- vaccinated, I, I was not hospitalized. Uh, I guess that's what the vaccination is for, whether you believe in it or not. Uh, I believe in it. I believe the vaccination saved my life and the booster saved my life. Because with everything I had going on, from what my doctor said, and he's like, people, you know, you don't, if you can only see the air that's around you when you're in indoors like this. Um, and with your age and with everything else that you have, you know, underlying conditions, um, you could have had a very negative outcome. So he uh, he made several calls to me uh, in person and who, you know, who hears about doctors making house calls. But and he checked on me today, you know, and uh, after two weeks, I was out with a took a little bit of a walk today um, and um I still feel like I have a really bad cold, but uh, I'm here. So, you know, I'm happy to be here with all of you. So that's my uh, that's my COVID story. Any questions? <laughs> I um, You're all stunned. You're all speechless. Well, I don't want to be corny, you know, uh, well, he does another podcast, doesn't he? Oh, that's true. <laughs> Actually, I do want to be corny, but that's another, that's a whole nother bowl of wax. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it's, um, it, these things are hard to discuss because it's, it, it's hard to listen to because, you know, we're all friends here. We, yeah. when I heard you had COVID or read it actually for the first time, uh, I got scared. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think on Facebook, you heard from a friend of mine who said Bob was all upset about, you know, hearing about it. And it was true. I, I, the day that I discovered that you were sick, I had to gather with some people that I know and they said, what's wrong with you? And I explained it. You know, I told them what was going on. And one of them is a Patreon member, uh, Stan Kaplan. Hello, Stan, if you're listening. And he said, um, you know, he, he really wanted to know what was going on. He, he loves the show and he wanted to know that you were okay. And I said, I can't answer that. At that Mm -hmm. point, I couldn't answer that. Right. That was the problem. Uh, when you first, when you first, and I have to admit, you you posted a photo, I think on on Instagram originally. Think, yeah, it was, and you did not look well, man. <laughs> I was not well, and I was scared. I was scared because it was kind of getting like each day you felt get, you were getting worse, and and that's the, that's the thing. And I couldn't sleep, and I'm on a sleep apnea machine anyway, and I've done so well with the sleep apnea machine for the last year and a half, and it really it really cured that for me. Uh, but once I got sick, that machine wasn't working anymore. I couldn't keep it on my face. I couldn't breathe properly, even with the forced oxygen that it that produces. Uh, and I was getting really, I was getting scared. I was like, um, but I, you know, I had faith in the vaccination. I really did in the booster. I had faith in it because uh, the percentages of people who uh, are hospitalized and, and die uh, are low. It's not, you know, it's not, um, it's not a hundred percent. Obviously, there are people that uh, are much older than I, or sicker than I, that don't come through it, even though you are vaccinated and boosted. I mean, people die from this thing, uh, 
And uh, just a quick little story, and I won't mention a name. Uh, we lost a major record producer here in Nashville yesterday. A guy that was in his 50s, number one hits, big songwriter, uh, but very vocal on his social media that he wasn't getting vaccinated. The vaccine doesn't work. It's all a liberal thing. And I don't want to get into politics here, but, you know, a few days ago, he got sick, unvaccinated, unboosted, and he's dead. He died. He died. And now the whole community in Nashville are like, they can't believe it because he was such a healthy guy, healthy specimen. But he was uh, he, he went into the hospital, developed double pneumonia almost uh, immediately, and he passed away yesterday. So, well, you know, if you go back to 2020, when all this hit, hit us around March, I guess, of 2020. Yeah, I, I knew I knew a fellow who uh, was told on Wednesday he was sick and he was gone by the weekend. Yeah. And that has informed me and really yeah. stuck with me really hard. He was a good family friend of ours. And uh, it, it, it's, it was so painful in the beginning because, you know, people were finding out they had COVID and it was over for them in the very right. beginning of this because nobody knew how to handle all this. Right. We are fortunate right now that they have come up with treatments and there is the vaccine. And, and I, I think people are more informed than they were at the beginning because there was confusing information and there still is confusing information right now about everything. Absolutely. Uh, so there is. There so, is. again, I hate, you know, I hate to sound uh, corny, but when you when you first reported that you were ill and I thought about your age because you just had a birthday. Uh, 65. Yeah. And, um, and it's like anyone who's 65 and over here, you know, uh, it, it could happen. It could certainly happen. And and the thing that really got me about this thing, and I've read so much about it, and obviously and I've been following it. I have family members that had it. I mean, most of my family has had it. Some were vaccinated. Some were not. The ones that were not vaccinated got sicker than the ones that were vaccinated. Uh, but um, for me, I mean, my personal experience with it is like it was so odd that it kept attacking me in different ways. Like I'd have this, this high fever and these cold chills, and then they would go away. And then I'd start with a sore throat that I couldn't swallow for several hours. And then that would go away. And then I'd get these incredible headaches, these pounding headaches like I never experienced before. And then the headache would go away. And then I'd start coughing. So it would be attacking all these different things about me, maybe trying to latch on to something that could finish me off. I don't know. Uh, it was the oddest illness I've ever experienced. And I'm still, you know, I still have effects from it. I'm, you know, hopefully every day is going to get better. Um, but um, it really did a number on me. And, uh, and I'm like, all right, you know. I'm okay. I'm just tired. I'm lethargic. Um, uh, it's the it's the sniffles today, and that's even a different thing that I hadn't experienced before, like the sniffles. And and it's funny because I'm still with rapid tests. I'm still testing positive, which is insane. The line has gotten a little bit lighter and fainter in the rapid test, but I'm still I still got some of it in me after two weeks. So uh, I'm just going to be careful, and that's all I can do. And uh, I want to have fun with this damn show that we do you know well once again welcome back john thank you i don't know what else to say my friend it's good to be back it's good to see you all and uh and and talk about you know wrestling and what happened 30 years ago so let's let's 30, uh, 30 years ago we didn't have to dodge pandemic germs right. and, and then yeah. those long ago wonderful 
old school way we used to have fun, right? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I mean, uh, you'd get sick three, four times a year with a flu or something. It was like, yeah. to it. Oh, I got the flu every season change for my whole life yeah. until 2020 when I put the mask on and I haven't had the sniffle since. So right. it's like. Oh, it's me. I hadn't gotten sick since 2019. Not yeah. a not a sniffle, not a cold, nothing. And then this is made up for all of it. But uh, but we got you know some really cool stuff to to do here today, and uh, we'll get into it. We have an exciting show for everybody. Going back 30 years with uh, Mr. Kip Fry is the special guest that appeared 30 years ago, uh, and we have some really cool stuff upcoming. But uh, before we get into all the fun, if you really want to have fun. Why don't you do what so many others have done and you dig deep into the archives of yours truly in the pro wrestling spotlight. And there's really only one way to do that. And that's by becoming a patron for the show. So, Hey, listen, uh, you know, become a patron, help me out. I'm not feeling good. (laughs) (laughs) Have a telephone. That's kind of a, that's not even the shameless oh, man. plug. No, just going right out to you. The shame is just flown out know, the window. You feel bad for me, everybody? Yeah. Show me that you love me. Become a patron. <laughs> uh, five bucks a month gets you in the door. Uh, but because I'm not feeling good, why don't you come in at 25 bucks? <laughs> Uh, only kidding. Patrons are having a great time with patreon.com slash John Arezzi. All the archive shows are there. And believe me, we got some really cool stuff coming up. Uh, you can join monthly, sign up yearly. Uh, we're accepting the annual memberships now. There is enough content on the page right now to keep you knee deep in vintage wrestling for months on end. Over 200 pieces of vintage wrestling history are there to enjoy. Every episode of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight from April 1989 through this episode, which takes place on February 16th, 1992, are there. Uh, we have vintage photo sets, bonus audio dating back to the early 70s, videos, 8 millimeter film clips from 1973-74, Zoom calls, which we had to cancel the last one, but we're going to reschedule it now. And you also have the option to receive vintage wrestling magazines sent to you monthly as well. Patreon.com slash john arezzi so here we go bob um 30 years ago what the hell happened on the pro wrestling spotlight well uh of course we have coming up very soon a uh, news capsule which we've redubbed the time capsule with don libel who, who does his usual crack reporting as he did every week back then but our focal point is the new albeit short-lived head of wcw Kip Fry, and you knew it better than I did, John. At that point, I know you had had some yeah. personal dealings with him at that at that juncture. I was very impressed with him. I mean, not only were we invited to his uh, opening press conference in uh, Kansas, which I went to, but he was very professional. He was someone who you immediately respected, and it was kind of a different dynamic from people who ran wrestling organizations and you know jim hurd was cantankerous cranky uh short-sighted uh bit um condescending bitter uh jim hurd was not a nice guy not a nice guy but kip was so different and so professional and you and you really wanted him to succeed and the fact that after kansas and doing the press conference and he was like, you ever want me to do the show? I was like, yeah, I do. And uh, gave him a date. And he 
he booked it, and I, I think it was really cool of him to do that so quickly after taking the position over. Well, there's an old expression called wrestling people. And yes. wrestling people should run wrestling organizations has been the predominant rule of thought my whole life anyway. And I met Jim Hurd, and he did seem like a nice guy. All right. Mm -hmm. I just knew he was cordial and nice to me and knew who I was and blah, blah, blah. But I will say this. Um, he wasn't wrestling people. He, he, you know, from his concepts such as the ding dongs to the comic book style wrestlers that he was bringing in, in a blatant attempt to, to copy the stuff that failed in the WWF. <laughs> That's what kills me about yeah. it. He, he, he started to go down the road that didn't last very long for the WWF in terms of characters that would appeal to children type of thing, I guess. Yeah. Like I, the well, I don't know. I don't know what, what toddler would become all oral, all shortly and happy watching the ding dongs. You know, yeah. I, I just don't understand how that appealed to anybody, let yeah. alone, you know, a, a three-year-old, but, um, yeah, Heard you know, was uh, Heard was a you know uh, I got off on the wrong foot with him anyway when I got back in when Steamboat came on my show and when he left in '89 and and uh, everyone felt that that should have never been talked about on the air about a contract negotiation and then Jim Heard came on the show but he never and then we had the issue with Sting in 1990 about the convention so and you know he called me a bottom feeder or whatever it was and. Uh, so, I mean, he never really liked me and we got off on the wrong side of the tracks, the wrong foot with steamboat and then the sting stuff. So, uh, you know, he might've just really had a dislike for me because of those two situations, but Kip was so, uh, a whole different situation with Kip Fry. He sure seemed to be. I mean, he really reached out to the wrestling media, which was had yeah. to be refreshing for people like you, John, oh, because after you'd been shunned by the WWF so blatantly for so long. Here's a mm -hmm. major wrestling organization saying, come here, we want to tell you what we got going on. That had to feel pretty good. Yeah, it was kind of good. It was uh, being embraced and, you know, getting the access to talk to him. And then, then you kind of really wish the guy well uh, because um, after Heard, which so many people didn't like, Jim, uh, would keep coming in, uh, which was really, if you look at it in a long you know, if you really look at it historically, he wasn't there that long. He was there less than four or five months and he was gone, too. So but it was great to have him. And I, I think uh, our listeners uh, 30 years ago were were kind of excited that here's a guy that runs a company coming on to talk about his vision for what WCW was going to be under his uh, leadership. And it got better real fast. I mean, everybody was writing WCW off as crazy and Ric Flair was gone and other stars were gone and Cornette was gone and go down the list. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, here comes Cactus Jack. Here comes a, a level of excitement that the fans hadn't seen. Ratings were up. Pay-per-view buys went up. And it was all during this period. It's pretty. He did a nice job. I, Looking yeah. back on it, I really don't understand what was going on in the corporate thinking and why he lasted such a short amount of time. Yeah, it had to be political. There had to be forces, creative forces, wrestlers who just didn't feel like he was the guy. And everyone, you know, everybody knows what the wrestling business is backstage, especially during that time period. Not so much today because it's so different uh, than it was back then. But uh, everyone was uh, angling for their position, for their job, and, 
and for their friends. So <laughs> that's the way it was. It was like, I'm going to help my friends out and I'm, I'm going to push this guy out. And, you know, there was always that hardcore fan fantasy about Bill Watts coming back because he was kind of the savior, you know, with his time as the guy who ran the UWF and his uh, genius, as a lot of people called it, and his mentorship to guys like Jim Ross and and Eddie Gilbert. Uh, everyone Jim Cornette. Had, and Jim Cornette. Everyone felt that Watts was going to be the guy that they really should bring in there to compete with the WWF. Well, he was the diametric opposite of the anything the WWF oh. was doing. And uh, unfortunately, some of that diametric opposite got him in a little trouble, Mr. Watts. But uh, yeah, we'll get into that. In we'll get into episodes. that in future weeks, of course. Yeah. So why don't we go to the opening now, uh, which mm-hmm. uh, you will take the reins from the opening theme. And we talk about a bunch of breaking news and we get more newsletter news with, you guessed it, Vinny, Vince Russo. And it's been a busy, busy week. Let's just put it that way. A lot of uh, developments, in particular with the World Wrestling Federation. Some heavy-duty stuff went on this past week. We'll wait for Donnie Liable to uh, let you know what has been going on over the past couple of days. The news news has been uh, breaking every single day. But our very special guest for this evening is uh, a man who has taken over the reins of World Championship Wrestling. And uh, to my knowledge, this is the first time that a person with this power, amount of power, has appeared on a wrestling talk show. We're referring to the new executive vice president of World Championship Wrestling, Mr. Kip Fry. And uh, Kip will be joining us uh, during this program and taking your calls and comments to him about World Championship Wrestling. So we certainly have an exciting, exciting show lined up for everybody listening out there, hopefully in uh, several states over the Northeast tonight at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. We also have some big news for you regarding our live remote broadcast next week at the Press Box Cafe. And uh, we got lots uh, lots and lots to talk about. And, of course, uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly issue number seven mailed out uh, to all the listeners and um, Vinny, I tell you, Vinny Russo here, our executive producer and co-editor of the newsletter, thinks just to continue to go big guns with the newsletter. Yeah, the newsletter is is on a roll, as they say, and uh, the seventh issue came out this week, and you could tell them a little bit about that issue, John. Okay, uh, the issue, uh, front cover story, obviously, as uh, we told you here last week, you heard it here first about Legion of Doom losing their World Wrestling Federation Tag Team titles. We have a nice uh, cover story on that itch, on that particular situation with a great cartoon of the LOD. We got a Where Are They Now segment interview with Johnny Valiant. Uh, we talk about the pro wrestling regulation bill shot down in Florida, our regular columns, the rumor mill, a couple of editorials on the uh, past few issues of uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly, and brand new column, uh, Making of a Champion, written by Vince Russo, as he is now attending Johnny Rods' wrestling school, along with uh, uh, a find of his, and uh, they're taking, uh, doing their training. Yeah, that's an education onto itself. Uh, it looks so easy on TV, but believe me, when you're in the ring, it's not that easy. And a great, great Matt Memories uh, talking about the Fred Blassie fan club as well. So we got the jam-packed show for you today, and we want to just uh, let everybody know as well that uh, after today's program, as we usually do, uh, we will be here taking your calls if you'd like a free sample issue 
of the newsletter. We'll be more than happy to send one to you if you have not received one in the past. And uh, for those of you who have been getting free copies, it's stopped with issue six. So um, you have to subscribe now in order to participate in all the fun and reading all the newsletter stuff that's been going on. Make sure you uh, send those checks in, fans. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were always hawking something, weren't we? I mean, well, you had to. We had to, yeah. Uh, and the sponsors just were not there, and we were trying to keep the show going. And um, and the newsletter was picking up steam. I mean, there was uh, we were you know coming into our own a little bit. Our styles were very different. Uh, and uh, this is really interesting because it's the last. Uh, Within 30 to 40, 45 days, uh, Russo and I would be no more. So uh, uh, it was uh, on its way to becoming uh, tenuous, and and then it would be explosive. So well, that speaking, comes up pretty speaking soon. Of, speaking of explosive, we have – it was – more scandals than Patty Smith could handle at this point in the WWF. Oh, I mean, it, I mean, it was it was one thing after another. Don is going to come on with his his news capsule, and it's like this is stuff that's been all these scandals he's about to talk about are kind of lost to history. Mm-hmm. This was these weren't nearly as big as what happened before and after. But every time the WWF was getting into the news, it was bad news. Yeah, yeah. Don, are you are you with us, Don? Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to go back in time with that. Uh, like you said, there was just so much going on. Um, and, and again, it, it's really monumental when you think about it now to Kip Fry, someone running an organization of that magnitude, uh, reached out to you know want to get closer to the fans. Um, that's, that's really special, really special. It hasn't happened too many times since, except for, you know, if you look at AEW today with Tony Khan, I mean, he really embraces the media uh, in, a, in a way that it really hasn't been done in many, many years. Um, but Kip was somebody that was trying to kind of kind of have access, have the fans get to know him and to get his vision. And for him to do shows like this was really uh, incredible at the time. I have a question for Bob, um, given the way, and if you could educate us a better at the time, the magazines, how many months ahead of time that, you know, from time you start a newsstand from the time you put it together, did you have enough time to do any kind of stories with Kip Fry, either as a feature or included in? If we did, I don't recall it at all. And, and I'll tell you, it's for the reason you said it was such a short period of time. And I think we would obviously report that he had got the position that he had, but I don't think we took it any farther than that. You know, it, it's just, again, it was one of, one of the shortcomings of the old school wrestling magazines is, you know, six weeks, you know, we'd write about something. It's six weeks later when it hits six weeks. If you can imagine that, you know, Don, and you know, John, yeah, you guys were yeah. the wrestling magazines. It was such a gap of time between when you worked on a piece and when the fans actually got to see it, it's almost unfathomable now because everything is so instant. If something happens somewhere, everybody knows about it within five minutes now, literally. But back then, you know, it was it was the you know Wells Fargo wagon of news reporting. You had to wait for it to show up. <laughs> hey, I, I remember back in the newsstand days, I'd write a story, and sometimes it wouldn't come out in the magazine for at least a year. Oh, we got burned by it so many times. We we did a. Uh, 
face interview with Sergeant Slaughter when he came back to the WWF and he shows up on TV wearing the Iraqi garb and we looked stupid. But we didn't know. No. You know, so if they change an angle at the last minute or change a plan and they do something like that, we, we're the ones with the egg on our faces, you know. How dare they? <laughs> well, yeah, well, they have a right to do what they want. The problem is, you know, we had to make a living too. And, uh, you know, oh, that was so awful. Oh, God, that, that whole the whole Sergeant Slaughter stint. Let's not even talk about it. But uh, mm-hmm. so let's let's get on to Don Leibel now. And uh, let's listen to what these particular news items were, because like I say, these these ones have been kind of lost to history. So I think you'll get a kick out of what, what was brewing in the newspapers and on the blotters at that point. And uh, we're going to bring on Mr. Donnie Liable. Don, how are you? Pretty good, John. And like you said, a lot of stories making headlines this past week, most of them all taking place outside of the ring and uh, not much happiness at this hour, especially in the state of Connecticut. So a very good evening to everybody. And leading off the capsule tonight, this past Friday evening in St. Louis, Missouri, law enforcement agencies made an unannounced visit to the dressing rooms housing those on the World Wrestling Federation show. Although details are sketchy at this time as to why the search, complete with the canine corps, reports have it that the authorities were looking to speak with two still unidentified wrestlers who, as it turned out, weren't booked on the lineup. While the Federation will continue to see its name centered in several upcoming newspaper and television pieces, the long-awaited interview with superstar Billy Graham talking about alleged steroid use in the company will air on ABC TV's 2020 show on Friday, March 13th. The March 1st issue of the Los Angeles Times is scheduled to run a page one article surrounding the steroid topic, as well as the San Diego Union newspaper. Former Matt Watch editor Steve Beverly reported this past week that Hulk Hogan has been negotiating a contract with New Japan Wrestling Promotions that would commence sometime after WrestleMania 8. Now, the deal supposedly being sought by the Hulkster is calling for six shows at $100,000 per show annually. Now, with the WWF's current agreement in the Orient with the SWS group, such a move, if signed, could cause a strain between all three promotions. More disturbing news surrounding the World Wrestling Federation. Late Friday evening, we have been informed that the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, was arrested in Richardson, Texas, for allegedly presenting a forged medical prescription to purchase drugs. Now, the action of misdemeanor charge came at a time when he was supposedly going through a rehabilitation program. Bond was posted and Von Erich was released. Turning to World Championship Wrestling news, Greg Valentine has joined their talent roster. Look for the hammer to align himself with Terry Taylor. Now, WCW will be coming to Worcester, Massachusetts on Saturday, March 28th, and to the Meadowlands in New Jersey on March 31st. With less than two weeks to go until Super Brawl 2 on pay-per-view, WCW's next extravaganza on pay-per-view will be from Jacksonville, Florida on May 19th, that being Wrestle War. In American Wrestling Federation news, promoter Gordon Scazzari has announced that Paul Orndorff has given up his claim to the organization's heavyweight championship. Sweet Stan Lane has been named by, uh, to replace Mr. Wonderful's uh, as the champion. Orndorff claimed he was looking for full-time work within the promotion, and with the AWF's next shows booked for April 10th through 12th in New England, it would be in both parties' best interest to part. And sticking with the AWF, they have apparently reached a working agreement in Puerto Rico and tentatively plan on TV tapings on April 21st and the 22nd. Now, Hercules Benny Ayala is the top drawer with the group locally. Steve Strong is the recognized Caribbean champion. And the surfers, Sonny Beach and Jeff Gaylord, are scheduled to partake on the shows in Puerto Rico. 
Finally, the wrestling world mourns the passing of Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer on February 7th. While touring with the National Wrestling Alliance's office in Atlanta in 1982 and 83, Sawyer's intense competitive spirit coupled with gifted physical talents rose him to main event status. Now, in recent years, Sawyer had been operating a wrestling school in Sacramento, California. His body was cremated and spread over the Pacific Ocean. For Pro Wrestling Spotlight Enterprises, I'm Don Libel reporting. Capsule time, 10-11. Wow, a lot of stuff. Busy, busy. Three and a half minutes, my God. And you know what I I noticed from listening to that, I mean, when you're talking about the differences that was going on in the wrestling business, you had with the WCW, you're talking about the matches and – when you talk about WWF, you know, first thing you're talking about is how uh, 2020 is getting ready to do their interview with superstar Billy Graham about the steroid stuff. And that didn't even air because the sex scandals then broke. Uh, and then Billy uh, met with the producers of 2020 while he was in New York for the Donahue show, because I, I just uploaded that show, you know, for us to, to review uh, in a few weeks, obviously. And he was talking about how 2020 was canceled because all of those stories that you were mentioning there, Don, was kind of a lot of them were put on hold or segued uh, from steroid to the sex scandals, which was a really a, an incredible time because the sex scandals, uh, the, the steroid scandals so dominated so much of that stuff. And then the sex scandals just were starting to surface. It was crazy. You know, one of the things I mentioned in the capsule, we were uh, a WCW was coming to Worcester, Massachusetts, which was a big thing because, you know, coming east, uh, um, a side note with that, because I attended that show. But that same weekend, in fact, I think it was the same day, uh, WCW was on a, a Friday, I believe they were in Worcester. WWF was somewhere in the Boston area. And afterwards, the, the, the boys used to stay at uh, a Holiday Inn in Revere, which is not far from Boston. And I remember that night at the bar, the WCW guys there, WCW, uh, WWF guys mingling. And I think back now that, man, why didn't I take some pictures of that? Because that was, you know, that was unheard of, breaking kayfabe or yeah. whatever at that time. Uh, I, I remember seeing Shawn Michaels mingling with the guys and out on the dance floor and whatnot. Uh, so, um, that was really uh, something different. Oh, without a doubt. And, and also, I mean, uh, not, you know, how unique that was, but, you know, you start the capsule off with the, with the canines invading the locker room. Right. Right. And I remember how big of a story that was 30 years ago that, that, you know, that, that they invaded the locker room with canine dogs looking for a couple of performers who weren't even on the card uh, you know, apparently looking for narcotics. Mm-hmm. What a what a locker room! <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, like I say, the, these these little news nuggets got buried because so much was about to happen and so much had happened, and so this, and, so, and so much was happening every week. It seemed like yeah. what a crazy you know. Uh, one of the things was mentioned about uh, uh, the passing of Buzz Sawyer. Yeah. And anybody who watched him, I mean, I remember his his glory times on TBS when when it, uh, it was Georgia Championship Wrestling, and uh, he was so intense in the Very ring. Very believable. Um, I, I I was kept thinking he's going to have a stroke. He was so intense. Yeah. And then uh, one time I came to visit down here in uh, in Florida and uh, met his brother, 
and who subsequently ended up going on tour with you uh, to Venezuela, um, but nowhere near as intense as Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. His feud with Tommy Rich, I'll always remember that. I mean, that was amazing. What a, what a great worker. Oh, no kidding. And you're right. He was a tremendous maniac. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he could flip that mm-hmm. switch. He could he could go both ways. Um, during his career, he was a face too, and all this other stuff. But when he when he decided to go full on heel, he was a wild man as good as they were in that period. I, I equate him with people like Mark Lewin and you know people who when they flip that switch, yeah, bang. Yeah, you, you know? want to stay away. And once you know, once you get that that flip switched, as even someone who was in the business, you don't want to be anywhere near them because you exactly know, right because it's a always- work or a shoot. Is this guy really nuts or, uh, you know? And he was kind of nuts. And old school mentality. Very old school, old school yeah. mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I love the old school mentality. Yeah. It's like like Terry Funk was another one. Oh I mean, God, if yeah. if don't don't even get in the same vicinity as Terry Funk when the red light was on. That's mm-hmm. all I have to say. <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment because he he lived it, man. He he meant it. Oh yeah. And, and you know what? That translates to the fans. Who want to see a performer like that? Who 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 know that he is as intense as it gets? Mm-hmm. And Buzz Sawyer was like that. I mean, he died way too young. It's just such a shame. Yeah, it's kind of funny because there was such a string of deaths that you know we will eventually be covering. So many uh, in that era died. You know, when, Johnny, when we talked about. Um, uh, Kerry Von Eric getting arrested because of the passing the uh, prescription. Yeah. This is all going to lead up to his passing as well. Yes, it will. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Was do we know whether he this alleged activity resulted in any type of uh, repercussions for Kerry, or did it kind of? Yeah, he know was, was going to go to. He was going to go to jail. I mean. Uh, he was um, waiting for sentencing or was sentenced, was sentenced. And I mean, you know, I, I could remember bits of piece of it now about how, how he knew he was going to go away and, and whatnot. And then, of course, we all know what happens uh, after that. And I'm sure as time goes on, we're going to have those reports here. But like you said, so many uh, deaths uh, started just coming on a regular basis. Well, I have to tell you. The Von Erich saga, starting right about then, Don and John, it got worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And that was the type of thing that made me question why I was doing what I was doing anymore. It, it was really weird and strange and sad what was what happened to the Von Erich. It was right? real. That was it. It, it. Was, I mean, real. it was real. Yeah, there was no – and there's the thing. I mean, it just – it. But the Von Erichs, it just got more and more and more. And every bit of news you heard was worse and worse. It was terrible. It was just terrible. And, you know, I, I, I can't even fathom what was going on in all those young men's minds. I can't. And it's just one of the great tragedies in the history of the sport, in my mind. Because if you look back to the glory years of the Von Erichs, who was bigger regionally than they were? Nobody. And, and who was as nice as Kerry? He was such a, a great guy. Of a person. Yes, he was. You know? He really was. He came to our offices one day uh, after he had signed with the WWF. And him and actor after went out to a steak. To, we had a nice steakhouse across the way. And he was he couldn't have been nicer and a great guy to talk to and very friendly and down to earth. Like it's one of those guys, you, you talk to him for five minutes, you, you thought you knew him for 10 years. That's That was mm-hmm. my 
you know, what's what I came away with with Carrie. What a shame. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. And to watch him publicly apparently break down the way he did, it's just heartbreaking. It really is. Yeah, he was at the uh, convention uh, that year in 92. I believe that was the year he was there, right, Don? Do you remember? It was 92 or 93. And, uh, and he was just so nice to all the fans, but you could tell there was something terribly wrong with them too so, really oh man but, you know yeah, the trauma well, he, of, he stumbled uh, and fell at the convention I, I remember that uh but um but he was so nice to people uh but you could tell there were just some irreversible I, demons that were going on with him at that point and, and you know johnny i could have i could only imagine the pain he had you know i how they kept that a secret, you know, about him losing his foot was amazing. Yeah. Um, I could imagine the, the, the pain that he went through with that uh, physical and emotionally, uh, then trying to still lead a professional life. And, uh, and at the same time, trying to hide in his professional life of his, of his disability. It was just unbelievable. But I know we're getting caught off going on a tangent there, but yeah. just what a superstar, a super nice person, and um, that just reminded me of this is where the tumbleweed is going to start rolling down the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible newsworthy uh, time capsule, Don. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for the period, I call it like a tweener because it wasn't the steroids. It wasn't the sex scan. It was all this stuff going on in the middle. And uh, that was a great one, Don. <laughs> uh, it's like the more you listen, you go, well, geez, I don't remember that. And geez, I didn't remember that. You know, it just kept going and going. Yeah, and if you want to hear the entire episode, the entire episode uh, that we that we're talking about today, uh, you know, with straight through with commercials, it's uh, patreoncom slash Arizzi, Five bucks, there you go, and you can hear the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're going to move on to Kip Fry now. Yes, and uh, Kip, just very open, very uh, honest. Uh, he talks about controversial topics here. And freely, you know, he's, he's going to get into the news of the day, as it were, in pro wrestling. And uh, it's kind of re 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 revelatory, as it were, listening to him speak at this point, John. Did you find it the same the same way? Yeah, I was excited to have him on, and I it was uh, very uh, happy that he was uh, an open book. I mean, he really answered questions that um, maybe others wouldn't have. He was very transparent. And no matter what the question was, he, he was answering them pretty honestly. Yes, he was. So let us hear now from uh, the brand new head of WCW, Mr. Kip Fry. And I will, I will let you know there's a little bit of phone line confusion, a bit of phone noise at the beginning of this clip. Just hang with it because it's worth, it's worth listening to this entire clip. And here we go. Mr. Fry, are you there? Hello? Yes. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Okay, why don't we just try to ring him back? I'm, I'm on. Oh, you are on. Okay, beautiful. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? We're doing very good. And uh, first of all, I want to welcome you to the Pro Wrestling Spotlight and the listeners that we have uh, right now in approximately seven, uh, seven northeastern states. And uh, Mr. Fry, just uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Over the last uh, several days, there have been so many negative stories on uh, professional wrestling. And, uh, you know, I just have to just let you know that... Uh, I personally feel that uh, you've come into the wrestling business uh, as far as an executive vice president for 
one of the two major organizations and certainly have been a breath of fresh air. Uh, we've dealt with a lot of uh, people over the last several years, and uh, your openness so far has been tremendous. Well, I appreciate it. We'll hope we can keep things going. <laughs> well, uh, you've been... Uh, why don't we just get a little bit of a background on, uh, on yourself as far as uh, you were appointed... Uh, as executive vice president for WCW, uh, I guess a little over a month ago. Right. And uh, you had been working within the organization uh, for some time before that. That's right. I was uh, I was in the legal department at Turner Broadcasting, and uh, among other things, worked for the wrestling or, uh, organization for WCW. I did the legal work for them for about nine months. Okay. And a lot of things have uh, already happened since uh, your appointment to. Uh, the, the position of executive vice president. First of all, Jesse the Body Ventura uh, was added on to the broadcast team, and he appeared at the Clash of the Champions from Topeka, Kansas, and will be announcing uh, at the Super Brawl show in just two weeks. Right. And uh, that was a great addition right off the bat. Right off the bat. Well, thank you. You know, it was interesting. The, the, the first day I started working, uh, it seemed to me that there was one guy out there in the business who uh, who had no business being outside of the business anymore. And um, I called him literally the first day I got him on my job. And uh, he was very receptive, very excited about getting back involved. And, and we've really hit it off, and I think it's gonna be, he's going to be a great addition. Well, uh, we understand that uh, you've also had meetings with his representative, Barry Bloom, uh, about uh, a long-term relationship with Mr. Ventura. Uh -huh. uh, what is the status of that right now? Uh, the status of it is we're as close to uh, having a final deal as you can be without having two signatures on a paper. Jesse will be with us for the next two years. Two years? Uh-huh. That's great. That's great news for the wrestling fans out yeah, there. Yeah, I think so. He's, he's going to be a phenomenal addition. Now, Jesse will be handling uh, syndication, some of the syndicated shows, as well as the clashes and pay-per-views, from what I understand. Well, he'll be handling... Um, uh, yeah, he'll be handling some of our TV. We haven't quite determined exactly which shows he'll be on um, because we have so many different ones. But he'll be doing weekly TV in addition to our special events, yeah. Okay. Uh, what changes are going to be taking place as far as uh, WCW syndication and the formatting of the current uh, uh, worldwide wrestling shows and uh, uh, WCW pro wrestling shows? As far as the, the formatting of them? Will there be any changes in formatting or announcing crews? I, I've heard that uh, uh, there will be some other announcers brought in. Yeah, we're, we're going to go back. One of the things that I, I disliked tremendously uh, uh, from our shows in the past was that we had gone to the one announcer format, and it just seemed that there was so much more entertainment value there to be had if we, if we brought in another color person. And we're going to be adding a, a second color announcer to all of our shows in addition to uh, really a variety of other things. We're going to be um, updating the look of all of our shows graphically, and uh, I'm, I'm personally going to reformat a couple of them to, to be a little bit different and to give the wrestling fans something that they uh, haven't gotten in the past. Okay. Can you indicate to us at all, uh, as far as maybe some of these other announcers that are coming in, uh, we've heard names bantered around like uh, Teddy Long reappearing and uh, uh, some others. Uh, any names that you can give us at this time? Teddy's going to be working on one of our shows, um, and we're really going to just kind of feel our way along with him and see, see how things work out until we make a determination as to where he's going to be for the long term. Okay. Uh, we are, well, the rest of them really, uh, we're just in the process of, uh, of evaluating them. 
Uh, we've got a couple of people within the organization that I think would be terrific, and there are some people outside of the organization that I've been told would be great also. So uh, we're, we're in the process of doing it. The concept, though, is that we're going to have two announcers in, in, in all situations. Okay. Uh, have there been any changes made uh, as far as any other front office personnel being brought in or, or let go? Yeah. Um, I uh, One of the other things I did on the first day I got on the job was that I hired uh, a full-time vice president level marketing and promotion person. Uh, a woman, actually, and, and as far as I know, she's the one of the first women in wrestling in that area. Um, her name is Sharon Sadalo. She comes from ESPN. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. And uh, has worked with Turner for a couple of years prior in our in the area of pay-per-views. And she'll be devoting all of her time to marketing and promotion, uh, where there really wasn't anyone in that position before. Okay. Um, there have been a couple of other changes. Jimmy Crockett, who I'm sure you know, is, is now in charge of all of our arena booking. And, um, and, and as you know, Dusty Rhodes continues to be our, our, uh, our overall booker. Okay. All right. Uh, there's, uh, the phones have been lighting up like crazy here. We're going to take calls for Mr. Uh, K. Allen Fry here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight in uh, just a couple of minutes. Uh, but there are a couple other uh, items which I'd like to discuss uh, with you before we open up the phones. Sure. Um, one of which, and uh, we've been hearing a lot of uh, uh, rumors through the grapevine, uh, so to speak. And uh, one thing you mentioned uh, to uh, the media that was gathered in Kansas City that uh, when you want to report on something, please report on it. If it is a rumor or a fact, and if you're unsure of it, just give you a call and l ask you about it. And uh, we've heard a lot of talk about steroid uh, a new steroid policy uh being instituted in world championship wrestling and even uh promos being cut by some of your active wrestlers regarding steroids what can you tell us at this point about that policy well i can i can tell you that i've been really focusing on that from the day that i started um it, it, it's an issue that i that i consider to be one of the most important in, in all of wrestling and one that i've been struggling for the, the correct approach to um we're, we're finishing it up. We, we do have the policy uh, configured and ready to go. We're just kind of crossing our T's and dotting our I's, and it'll be out uh, sometime during this coming week. Uh, and and probably it's best. I mean, I know I'm on the show tonight, but and I'll talk about it generally. It's not all the way finished, so it's hard for me to give you the specifics of it. Okay, so that uh, announcement is forthcoming. Yeah. Uh, this Just to give you a little bit more detail on it and a little bit of the flavor for the way I, I feel about it, um, there are a couple of ways I can I could go with this. One would be simply to turn uh, to try to do what some of our other competitors have done and just turn it into a, a, a kind of police state and, and, and institute this mandatory testing business where the whole perception of the public is we've got all these guys who we have to bring in and, and test constantly. Um, it, it may come to that, but I've what I'm trying to do is find a way that's a little bit more progressive, I think, a, a little bit more in tune with getting the wrestlers to understand uh, both both the dangers of steroids and maybe even as importantly that that World Championship Wrestling is going to promote people not because of their size but because of their wrestling skill. And if I can, uh, if I can accomplish with this policy uh, 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 a situation in our organization in which people want to, to, to get off steroids, don't feel they need to be on them, uh, I think that's going to be better for everyone concerned, and we're not going to be put in the position of having to uh, 
always be wondering about who's cheating on what test and having the public try to figure out, you know, who's telling the truth about things and all that. Okay. Well, you know, we wish you the best of luck with that policy. We've been uh, here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight uh, really involved with a number of the, the wrestling journalists from, uh, from around this country uh, covering this uh, just incredible story regarding steroids and abuse in professional wrestling. Of course, it's uh, rampant in all sports uh, and in all walks of life these days, especially with the high school kids. Right. Uh, and it's a very, very tragic situation. Um, and you are right that we have started uh, creating and will be putting into our shows public service announcements done by our wrestlers uh, telling telling kids that they don't need to go that direction, that, that, that hard work is the way to achieve, and that uh, steroids are something they need to avoid. Well, it's certainly a message that the kids uh, listening to this program and those who are competing in uh, college sports and uh, high school sports uh, to really listen to these messages because it's crucial right now that uh, they get the word that uh, stay away from uh, anabolic steroids. Uh, we will... Uh, I have one more question for you, and then we'll open up uh, the phone lines. And uh, in professional wrestling, most wrestlers are considered uh, independent contractors. At least that's the case in the World Wrestling Federation. I know World Championship Wrestling uh, has a number of uh, guaranteed contracts, wrestlers that are exclusively signed to the company and uh, receive a salary in lieu of uh, box office uh, uh, revenues. Uh, there has never been in professional wrestling a situation for the guys to be covered uh, by any pension plans or any real health benefits. Uh, can you comment on uh, that situation? Is that something that WCW will be looking to do for the future? Is maybe develop a pension plan or health benefits for uh, its athletes? Well, for, um, first of all, all of our wrestlers are independent contractors. Some of them have, have contracts that guarantee them a minimum uh, amount of money in return for their the exclusivity to book them in our organization. But um, th there are other components of the contracts that, that allow them to make more if they, if they perform better. So, so we really don't have any employees or wrestlers. Um, uh, as far as pension and health, I, I, it's something that I couldn't understand when I came in. Uh, and, and I am working with uh, a couple of brokers up in New York right now to create uh, a kind of group, uh, a group health benefit situation in which uh, all the wrestlers can pool and uh, and realize some benefits and savings in, in, in health insurance. And part of the whole key of this is getting is getting our steroid policy in place and getting that voluntary uh, enforcement going so that so that we can uh, be more effective in getting an, an insurance plan for the guys. Well, that certainly sounds great because that's something that. Uh We've been uh, pushing for uh, here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight because uh, uh, these guys, they take risks every single time they step into the ring and to have no insurance or no pension plan. Uh, it's a ludicrous situation which has been going on in pro wrestling for decades. Well, I'll tell you, the, the things that these guys do in the ring, I'll match up against anybody, anything any do, anyone does in football or basketball or you know, any, other, any other professional sport out there. Yes, I totally agree. From, from steroids to ticket sales, John, he was right open about everything. That's what I loved about it is that there were some controversial things that were going on, not just uh, in the WWF, but, of course, when you're talking about steroids. And, uh, you know, he was very transparent, very honest, you know, admitting that there was a, a steroid problem and 
wrestling and that included WCW. So he was, uh, he was, he was really open and honest and it was really, uh, it was great to uh, have that rapport with somebody like that, where on the other side of the coin in Connecticut, you couldn't get anybody to even, you know, to answer, answer a call or even tell you to go screw yourself. Uh, They would just ignore you. You know? Well, you know what also killed me about this is that uh, the next clip, he takes calls from the fans. I know it. Can you imagine that happening with a certain person you're speaking about? It would no. never happen in a thousand years. No. Wouldn't so I, I, I really think that Kip Fry wanted to get uh, his finger on the pulse of what the fans were thinking at that point because it was important. And we had curious fans. We had people sure. who, were, who were smart. Well, you sure did. I mean, I, he was jumping right into the lion's den here. Yes. And uh, also, we'll, we'll hear more from Don Leibel in this next clip. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's get around to this one because there's some really interesting stuff here. Cool. Okay, let's take our first call. Is, did Don Leibel ever get uh, through again? Okay. Let's go to the phones, and we're going to go to uh, Joel from White Plains. Joel, you're first. Yeah, hello. Hi, Mr. Fry. Hi, how you doing? Oh, good, good. Uh, I've heard a rumor that um, there is some conflict between uh, uh, Jesse the Body and Jim Ross about announcing duties. Is this true? I mean, is... Uh, not true at all. I don't know where you heard that, but... Um, and I don't know why why there would be... Can you hear me? Yes. I don't know why there would be a conflict. Jesse has been down to our offices several times, and uh, he's very excited about working with Jim Ross and with Tony Schiavone, and um, he's really looking forward to the whole to the whole package. Well, it's uh, going to be an exciting team, not only with Jesse and Mr. Ross, but Jesse and Mr. Schiavone. Thanks for your call. Let's go to John from uh, Franklin Square. John, you're next. Hello, John. Yes. Hello, Mr. Fry. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to uh, make a comment and uh, maybe ask you a question. Sure. I, uh, I think it's great what you're doing, uh, what you just said about the uh, steroid testing, that you're doing something before you're uh, you know, forced to do it. Uh-huh. And uh, let's face it, steroids are something that, uh, that can kill you. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you what, though, uh, uh, something that popped into my mind, there's been a guy that's uh, lately been at the forefront of educating people about the dangers of Ill- uh, illegal steroid abuse. And uh, he's a former world champion, and uh, his name is superstar Billy Graham. Uh-huh. And uh, quote-unquote, your competitors have been avoiding this guy like the plague. And I think if somebody like that showed up on WCW in some shape or form or spokesman or something, it would really show people that you mean business. Uh, have you ever given any consideration to uh, a guy like superstar Billy Graham working for uh, World Championship Wrestling? Well, uh, he hasn't contacted us, and so there hasn't been any, any reason for me to think about it. The one thing that I would want to avoid is to seem uh, or to appear opportunistic in this whole issue and to, and to look like we're doing something just for the publicity value of it. Uh-huh. Um, that's not what we're doing. And I would, you know, if Billy Graham called me up and wanted to do something, I would have to, I mean, the first question I would ask him is, look, is this something that's, that's really substantial, or is it, or is it, or is it just something for publicity's sake? And if it were the latter, I wouldn't want to get involved. Yeah. In another way, in any other way, though, sure, I, I think that uh, that in what we're trying to do, he could be a great help as well as a lot of other people. Yeah. Like I guess just seeing his face on the TV would, I think it would have some impact. It, it would really show. <laughs> Jesus, the other guys are avoiding this guy like the plague. They're trying to make believe he doesn't exist, and here we are. We have him. We're showing him. We, you know, he's right here saying we're for real. 
Well, again, you know, I, there are there is a way to deal with this issue constructively, and there's a way to deal with it to try to slap our competitors in the face with it. Yeah. And and I want to make sure that the things we do aren't uh, to slap our competitors in the face with it. We're we're going to do what we want to do because it's the right thing to do. Exactly. And uh, and we'll just leave it at that. Okay, okay, John. Listen, thanks for your call. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Okay, the number to call here is two one two four seven seven five six one zero. And if anybody out there knows of. Uh, the side effects and the repercussions of doing uh, steroids, it certainly is uh, superstar Billy Graham. Uh, we're going to go back on the lines now to Adam from White Plains. Adam, you're next. Hello. Hi, John and Mr. Fry. Hi. How are you? I have a question for you, Mr. Fry. If Bret Hart comes to your federation, what are your plans for him? Um, Bret Hart hasn't come to our federation, and so it's hard to say. If he were to come, if he got to a position where he was contractually able to come to our 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 organization. We would love to have him. He is a terrific wrestler and, and, and a really one of the great technicians out there. Um, to have to have a worker like that in our organization would be great, and we would uh, we would we'd be real interested in talking to him. Okay, thanks for your call. Let's go to Dave from Staten Island. Dave, you're next. Um, Kip, I just like to say it's, it's an honor to speak to you. Well, thanks. And I think much. you're doing a great job for the WCW. Thank you. Uh, my first call is that. My first question is this. One question, please. Okay, sorry. Okay. Next time, remember your question. Uh, we got Donnie Liable. We finally got him back. Let's go to Don right now. Donna, how are you? Don, hey, how are you John, there? thanks a lot. Uh, Mr. Fry, this is a Don Liable. He's a, a wrestling reporter, and he uh, uh, does our news capsule every week here and a columnist for Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly, and he wanted to touch base with you about a couple oh, of issues. Hi, Don. Uh, hi, it's a pleasure to meet you, and for, uh, the best of luck with your new position. Thanks, Fry. Uh, I have uh, uh, two questions that tie into one for you. Uh, recently, in ordering the uh, current pay-per-view that's coming up, I noticed that from the past it was 19.95. Now, uh, as I ordered it this week, it was 24.95 in my area. This is Central New York. Uh-huh. Um, I was wondering, considering especially the way the economy is, I know companies have budgets to consider, but I think for the average person, perhaps a five dollar jump either way may make them say, you know, maybe I can't afford this. And if maybe the logic was taken that if you sold it, say for fifteen dollars. You might sell more and make up the difference and, and earn more. Yeah, that that might very well be. That was a decision that was made before uh, I, I got here. That was already in the work. Uh, I have already asked for a study on on how we might cut back on that again. I, I think probably um, there are, there's a better way to get to our fan than charging them twenty four ninety five. And and my the other thing that I'm doing is that I've I'm I'm working on cutting down our ticket prices in the arenas as well. Well, see, now you, you got me right there. My next question was that it seems that uh, some people say that going to wrestling matches and uh, WCW, WWF, whatever, that uh, uh, perhaps there should be some type of family plan. Uh, uh, you know, being in a re- especially recessionary times when you consider parking, tickets, souvenirs, um, a family of four could easily spend close to $100 at perhaps, at, at, as you said, at, at arenas you could have special sections, say, for $5 a ticket uh, for each person. Not only is it would be good publicity, but I think it would be sending a signal that, that this company cares about its public and, and they understand, what, you know, and yet they want to keep your, your, your loyalty. Yeah, uh, we're, 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 we're looking into all of that. Um, my opinion is that wrestling ought to be more like baseball than it is like football, where a family can go even on the spur of the moment if they want to and not have to 
stay for two weeks to be able to go there and uh, and pay for it. And so, yeah, that's something that I feel strongly about, and we're working on it right now. Oh, thank you very much, and because uh, I know. Uh, uh, as it, in the past, wrestling was always a, a family affair, and it just seems that costs uh, and everything have gotten out of sight. And uh, it's good to hear that uh, it's being considered. And uh, once again, good luck with your job, and uh, all the best to you. Thanks. Very bye much. bye now, Donnie. We'll speak to you next week. Good enough. Thank you. All right, back on the phones right now, and uh, we're going to go to Joe from Clifton, New Jersey. Joe, you'll be next here in the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, yeah. Hi. How you doing, Joe? Uh, first of all, good job with uh, you've been doing with WCW, Kip. Thank you. Uh, I have a question about Juice and Thunder Liger. Uh-huh. Uh, I understand he got an injury recently, and I just want to know if it's going to affect his match, uh, Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think so. I, I don't think so at all. Uh, he's, he, um, the injury that he had, we think, uh, is going to be healed well before the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, I'd just like to say, too, he's a, he's a really great uh, wrestler, and I saw him uh, while back at the Meadowlands. Uh-huh. And it was really a tremendous match. That was and a great I, match, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're going to have him back in the States more often now. But let me tell you something else. You know, there are two guys that make a great match. Brian Pillman, um, I, you know, I'll match his skill up against Jushin's. And, and our whole approach to the light heavyweight division is to give fans more of that type of exciting action. And we're going to be focusing on that even more in the future. Well, that division, the light heavyweight division, and the matches that Pillman had with uh, Liger, uh, they drew standing ovations at the arenas here in the States that they uh, worked in in December. And uh, that's uh, also something to commend the company on to develop this division uh, where the fans can see the light heavyweights uh, do some spectacular moves, especially uh, Pillman uh, is just uh, coming into his own yeah. every single day. and. Um, yeah. He seems to be have developed a style, a working style from Japan, and uh, he's just getting better and better. Well, thanks. You know, there's another component to the light heavyweight division also that you might not have considered, and that is I want to make sure that I have a place for guys who, uh, who both mentally and physically, when they do come off of the steroids, if, if, if they've been juiced up so much that they, need to, that, that they think they're going to look small, I want to have a place for them, and, and, and the wrestling in that light heavyweight division is as exciting as any other, and um, it's just going to it's just going to enhance our entire operation. I think. Well, I think that's a, a surefire way to uh, uh, to get the guys off the juice, so to speak, because of uh, these guys have it in their heads that they have to be monsters, uh, but if they uh, get off steroids and their weight drops 20, 30 pounds, if they know they still have a place and are getting a proper push based on their talent, it's going to make a ripple effect happen with uh, all the other wrestlers that may be on steroids, and that's uh, certainly something that uh, well, it's another great thing. It. That's the whole key to it. That, this is a, I mean, it's a, from the point of view of, of our organization, it's as much a problem in our wrestlers' minds as it is in their bodies. They have been conditioned to think that the only way they can be successful is to be these huge uh, guys, and, and we have got to, to tell them and to tell the fans that that what what we're interested in is putting on the best wrestling product that we can, and uh, you don't have to be huge to put on a great wrestling product. We've had many great champions in wrestling, John. We've had you know Harley Race and Ric Flair and Bruno Sammartino, but now we discovered Don Liable, champion of the consumer. Wow, Don Liable, yeah. who steps up and walks up right to the head of a major wrestling federation, goes lower to prices, will you? Now that. 
is a hero. It took a lot of balls. Can I tell you where I got that idea? Because <laughs> everything I talk about is not original. I steal from everywhere. You know where I got that idea? Not only does it it's something I believe in that um, everybody should be have have an opportunity to go somewhere, and and if they can't afford it, you know, have a special section like you know when I grew up, we go to a baseball game, for instance. You know, you could go to a bleacher seat for a dollar, dollar fifty, or two fifty, or what. Um, do you uh, remember the movie Mr. Mom mm -hmm. with uh, Michael Keaton? Yeah, I do. Well, well, he's he loses he loses his job. He stays at home. His wife goes out and gets a job. She works in a marketing company, and uh, they're trying to sell tuna fish. Their biggest uh, uh, client is Schooner Tuna. How are we going to sell tuna? It's a recession. And she says she convinces the owner of Schooner Tuna to do a TV uh, commercial and say, during these trying times, we're going to lower the price of our tuna fish. And when things get better, then we'll raise the price back up. But right now, we can feel your pain, and we're going to show you by lowering the price of our product. Same idea with wrestling at the time. You're in a recession. You know, some people can't pay $20 a ticket and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so if we have a family a section where they could sit for a family of four, say for $50 uh, or whatever, something like that. So I just thought it's a logical thing. Well, it's appropriate today. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Look what's going on today with the recession around the world. And especially, mm -hmm. you know, it's I don't know how recession is up in Canada, but I'm sure it's uh, it's pretty intense like it is here. I mean, gas prices here are incredible. And. Yeah, I wish uh, I wish the government and politics and oh, but boy, here I, here in here in New York, uh, prices for every little thing have gone up so much so quickly. Yeah. Can we get a, Alex? How is it up in Canada? How are prices? Oh, inflation has hit us very very hard. Um, everything from gas prices to food, food yeah. has gone up insane insanely since since the pandemic, but more recently, just because of like the COVID restrictions and now the freedom convoy. So it's been pretty bad here overall, I would say too. It's almost like this, uh, this increasing like bubble of you can't afford anything. And what's the end, what's the end going to be? Well, it's, I mean, it's, in addition to that, it's it, in addition to the prices, it's like you can't get it if you want it and can pay for it. I know. There's I mean, so many things that are in short supply right now. One thing that one thing you know, inflation hasn't touched though is yeah, uh, our Patreon manuf account. Manufacturing. <laughs> manufacturing. Oh gosh. <laughs> but manufacturing is in real trouble because they, they can't get the parts they need to put things together. Yeah. Because now, of the, you know, uh, it's I'll tough. Give a, I'll give you a quick personal uh, story. Uh, November first, I took a car in. Uh, my daughter was in a car accident. I took her to uh, a collision place to get fixed. November 1st. I'm supposed to get the car back tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Because trying to get a door, they told me, oh, was parts. impossible. It's a, a, it's a Hyundai Sonata. And so, so we've had November, December, January. And now uh, tomorrow is the 11th of, of February. We're supposed to get it back tomorrow. So. Uh, so there it goes to show you we're still waiting because it took so long to get that part. Yeah, it's uh, not just a, a problem here in the States, but I'm sure, as Alex said, it's up in Canada. It's everywhere. I mean, inflation is incredible. And uh, this pandemic has done a number on everything. 
It mm-hmm. certainly has. Um, so hopefully, you know, I wish we had the 1990s prices. I wish we had a, you know, an affordable way to uh, survive these days. But it's uh, it's in- incredible. But um, yeah, interesting stuff there, Don. And uh, getting right to the point with Kip and like, hey, you know, you increased this by five bucks, and and he said it didn't happen under my watch. Really, it was mm-hmm. it, it, ha- it was happening before I got here. You know, but I'll say this about Kip in that segment too, guys. Here's a quote. Uh, he's talking about Bret Hart, and he describes his quote, one of the great technicians out there. Think about those words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would Jim Hurd have ever said that? No. Would he know? He wouldn't know a technician from a janitor. Or a wristwatch from a wrist block. There you yeah, go, right. gorilla. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but Fry obviously knew his wrestling, and you could pick that up with his also comments about Brian Pillman and Liger. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was watching. He he had a feel for the product. Boy, I wish he had hung around. Yeah, he seemed to have a passion for it too. I mean, he was excited about the opportunity that was presented to him, and sad that it didn't last longer. I'll and never. You know, uh, well, well, when well, you mentioned Liger, when you mentioned Liger, uh, one of the highlights, uh, one of John's conventions, he had uh, on Thunder Liger there. And I can remember being in a in a, a little office room. It was maybe John, myself, and Liger, and maybe one other person, maybe not. Um, I think it was before an auction or whatever, because he gave you one of his masks to put in the yeah, auction. Yeah, he wasn't very happy with what I wanted to sell it for as an opening. But day. being being with arguing. him alone, that was yeah. that was really really yeah. special. Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty feisty about that auction. For sure, but he got what he wanted. That's that's for sure, and it was great to have him there. It was a, uh, it was a real treat for us to uh, bring him in because I knew he, as far as the hardcore fans that attended the convention, that he was the guy that everybody kind of wanted to meet, but they hadn't had the opportunity, and so we were able to get him. I think he got him through Fumi Saito, actually, but it was good. It was good. Good. We'll be covering that too. Mm-hmm. Lots to come here. But uh, getting back to Kip there, Bob. Yeah. Um, he took he took some uh, calls, as we know, in, after a break. Mm-hmm. And then you had a bad <laughs> the days bad of the days of radio. You had a bad connection for a while. And yes. I think they had to uh, get the lines cleared up, which we are yeah. not going to listen to because it's really no. not worth hearing. No. You can hear it at Patreon.com. Yes. If you want to hear the static and the beeping, $5 a month, man. You hear the whole thing. But anyway, one of our favorite callers is about to come on. Steve from West Hempstead. You remember him? Oh, one of my favorites of all time. Well, he was great, wasn't he? He recently resurfaced on the Facebook group. Is that right? Yes. Oh, man. Steve Topkiss is his name. Would it be worth getting him on the show here? I reached out, you know, and uh, haven't heard back. But he comments oh. occasionally, and he uh, commented actually a few days ago. So, uh, yeah, it would be great to have him on as one of the regular One of the guys. epic callers. So let's let's get a little epic in our lives and listen to Steve and some others here on our last uh, tape segment. Right. Here we go. Okay. Okay, uh, this uh, comic book that's come out uh, through Marvel Comics, uh, the illustrations were fantastic in it. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's uh, We're real happy to have Marvel be a part of our, our, our deal. 
Yeah, that's a, a major, major company in uh, Marvel Comics now with the WCW uh, uh, monthly comic book. And uh, I got the first issue myself. I'm not a comic book collector, but uh, the illustrations were very, very realistic. Mm-hmm. With the exception, I guess, of uh, Johnny B. Bad and uh, PN News. They were a little dark. They were a little darker than they should be, I thought. <laughs> we're going to get back on the phones. Matt from Baldwin, you're next. Yeah, what's up, guys? How you doing? Yeah, I got a question for uh, Mr. Fry. Uh, have you guys been making any effort to get Ric Flair back in the organization? No. No? No. Has he expressed any interest in coming back? Um, you know, Rick's got the program going up in the WWF, and I'm, you know, I'm sure he's busy with that. Uh, we we had discussions with him when our contract ran out, and uh, he made the decision to uh, do what he did, and and he's up there now, and we're not, uh, we don't. While someone's under contract to another organization, we don't try to go out and steal them. Yeah, that uh, Flair is a champion right now. The WWF's, uh, and I think he's signed. Uh, uh, two-year deal with them, and the first year's not even over yet, so you could look for Mr. Flair to remain where he is at least until, uh, I believe, 19, uh, late 1993. We're going to go to Steve from West Hempstead. Steve, you're next. Hi, John. How are you? How are you doing, Steve? Good, good. Kip, a question for you. Uh, a couple of names, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, Dr. Zeth, Steve Williams, and Paul Orndorff. I heard those names possibly coming to WCW. Any truth to that? Uh, yeah, there is some truth that they possibly may be coming um, but uh, neither one of them is signed yet, but we're, we're working on them. Okay, one other quick question. The sure. wrestling newsletters that come out that go behind the scenes, I'm wondering, what is your opinion concerning them? Uh, do you like the idea that you know, people pretty much know what goes on a couple of weeks prior to what happens? You mean in the sense of the television? Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure how you can deal with it. The truth is that uh, I think that the newsletters themselves are great. I think they're great for the business. I'm, I'm glad that they're a part of it. Um, and I think that's a little bit different approach than my predecessor took. Uh, I, I think that anything that, that creates fan interest is great. Uh, that, you know, and, and when you get in that situation, people need to, be, uh, to have the freedom to print what they want to print. I, I don't think I should be in a position of trying to control what anyone uh, outside of my organization writes. And so I don't think there's a lot I can do about, uh, about their decision to print things. Okay. Okay, I happen to agree with you. Thank you. Thank sure. you for your call. Yeah, that's a situation where your predecessor really got paranoid a lot uh, over some things that were being written. Now, the people that read the newsletters, for the most part, uh, the Wrestling Observer newsletter, we have started our own weekly. Uh, these are the fans that are going to come to the shows anyway. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, these hardcore fans that are out there, I think the Observer has a little over 5,000 subscribers. These are your fans that are going to go to your shows anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there was a little bit too much... Uh, uh, taking uh, taking them seriously, you know. Of course, uh, we try to report as accurately as possible. And uh, Dave uh, out there in California is uh, considered the New York Times of pro wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, I think that federations had previously taken the newsletters too seriously, that were affecting and uh, and losing. Uh, uh, turning off people to go to wrestling matches, whereas I feel that people who read the newsletters are going to go regardless because those are the hardcore fans. Yeah, I do too. Now, what is going to be the policy? I know you discussed it briefly in Kansas City as far as getting, uh, for these types of programs, guests uh, to promote upcoming events. Uh, for example, I know you guys are heading back to the Meadowlands at the end of March. Uh, is there going to be an open-door policy as far as uh, obtaining guests for Pro Wrestling Spotlight to talk about uh, these upcoming shows? Yeah, well, to the extent that we can, you know, match up schedules with people, sure. Yeah. I mean, well, I, 
I feel that our that our wrestlers need to uh, do everything they can to be in touch with the fans in any way they can. Yeah. And I'm going to encourage that. Wow. There you go. I mean... Cooperation. You... Wow. <laughs> You're not used to that. It must have felt great. Well, I mean... It was, it was I... incredible, yeah. And the fact that uh, for their Metal Land show, which was the end of March... Uh, they did a deal with us at WEVD, and uh, it was an advertising buy, and it was tickets, and and uh, we had gotten uh, uh, other guests, and, and we were also uh, uh, were able to book uh, Johnny B. Bad at a live remote. So, I mean, yeah, the cooperation was there. Uh, it was there. And uh, him being transparent in his uh, answers, you know, you could tell that the guy was genuine. So it was kind of cool to have uh, a different, uh, a different slant on the previous regime. Yeah. Well, all I can say is, Kip Fry, we hardly knew you. Yes. <laughs> and because... Donnie's, and Donnie's going to look for him now. Yeah, Donnie's going gonna... to look for him. Okay. I'll find anyone. Him. He's gonna. Yeah, uh, you you find anybody you want to, my friend. <laughs> You're out there every day and, uh, digging into uh, how can I get a hold of this person, whether it's a baseball person or a wrestling person. Well, I'm I'm still sitting here trying to figure out what happened in, in terms of right. What I don't remember, and you guys would have to tell me if Kip Fry left or was ushered out to, to usher Bill Watts in. I I just don't know the circumstances between him leaving and Watts coming in. He was now really, was Watts was Watts working for the company at the time? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no, because it was kind of a shock that Bill Watts was coming back. It really was. It was a big shock. I mean, Watts was as old school as you could get. And, yeah. you know, what Hurd had been trying to do was go so somewhat new school, you know, by, by becoming a caricature of the WWF. So the fact that they would even consider a guy like Bill Watts, I thought was surprising at the time. Yeah. And, and, and Kip was doing bonuses. Like if someone really did a good performance, he'd bonus them. Which was crazy. That was unheard of in wrestling. And then Watts comes in and tries. To, he just starts cutting everything again. How, how long did Watts last? He didn't last that long, did he? Uh, I don't know how long specifically, but it wasn't a it wasn't a long reign. No. All I knew from from where I sat at that point was that uh, Turner and Watts, I don't think, got along at all. The, the Turner people, you know, the, yeah. the TBS people. I, well, I don't think I don't think they were seeing eye to eye in virtually anything, and only Bill could tell us that at this point. But for what we were hearing is that uh, they were at loggerheads constantly over content. I think. Yeah, yeah, and there you know, were uh, some things that were said. Wasn't there like he didn't he get axed with some controversy? Mm-hmm. Something with a woman. Something went down. Yeah. Yeah, I think Dark Journey. Maybe was it Dark Journey was involved in that or I something? I don't too? remember to be honest but, with you. I don't, I don't you know, know. It just reminds me of something with Bill Watts. I remember Eddie Gilbert telling me one time that um, if the guys were out at night, babyface, heel, whatever, if they were, Bill Watts didn't want the guys together. But if they were in a bar and it was a fight, and the guys didn't get together, and you know. Know, defend one another, or whatever. He said the next day, if Watts heard there was a fight, he'd look at everybody's knuckles in the locker room and he said, if they didn't have bloodied hands, 
He says they would get suspended. He says you you always fight for the for the honor of the business. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, good episode here today, Bob. That was our last clip, right? That was. It's a good show. I mean, we got some really cool stuff coming up too. I mean, uh, very exciting uh, next several weeks, and um, we have special uh, news about our, our good friend Mick Foley, who'll be joining us uh, for next week's episode, which is going to be kind of cool. We do a live remote with him at. Uh, the ballpark cafe and uh, Mick has graciously agreed to come on the program to talk about his days with pro wrestling spotlight. So we, uh, that's something for us to uh, look forward to. And then directly after that, then we get into the sex scandals and that's explosive stuff. And we got a lot of uh, really interesting content coming up here uh, over the next uh, several weeks. So uh, tell everybody about it. Pass the word around that, uh, you know, this uh, podcast is going to be covering some really cool stuff and having uh, having Mick Foley here to reminisce about his uh, appearances on Pro Wrestling Spotlight. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be really cool to have uh, him. Johnny, you know, if we were doing a, uh, a show right now uh, and I was doing a, a uh, news capsule, uh, I, I probably would have in there. I know I would have it. I'm not sure if it's the lead or the next story, but uh, wrestling lost a, a wonderful uh, female wrestler this uh, sh- recently, uh, Candy Devine. Yes. And I just like to, to to mention that because I knew Candy when she was a fan club president for Lanny Poffo. I met her back in 1979. She's from Nashville, and Debbie Combs worked with her a lot. Um, and I think I had her at the I think I had her at the 83 at the 93 convention, Don. Didn't she work that show in the ball? But I saw uh, pictures of her with Medusa and Sherry Martell. Yeah, because just yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did. uh, She did work with me on on, at that convention. She was there. uh, Just uh, sad. sad She spent many years in wrestling, always based out of Nash, uh, Nashville. Um, but, um, uh, she was, a she's, uh, an old pro from, you know, our era and, uh, hate to see these people pass. And, uh, I just didn't want to go unnoticed that, um, thank her for what she did for the wrestling business. Cause she was a fan as much as a worker. Yeah. And, uh, good coverage of, uh, of that unfortunate passing of candy at slamwrestling.net. I mean, where Alex does uh, such incredible work with uh, mm-hmm. those folks there, but we lost somebody else uh, that I found out about today. And, um, you know, of course we're taping this, uh, you know, uh, people will all know, but if they're a Lucha Libre fan, everyone uh, who's a fan of Lucha Libre and AAA uh, would have known about a Toro Rivera and Mr. Rudo, the announcer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed oh. away. Yeah. And you met him, Don, of course. Yeah, in yeah, Chicago yeah. And, yeah, he was uh, in Chicago. I, I had the opportunity to do play-by-play with him at that first AAA show that we did in Los Angeles in uh, 1993. And what a man. What a great guy. What a legend of AAA and uh, uh, and another another a sad loss uh, in in, uh, in the world of wrestling because he was, he was the voice of the AAA for decades. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're ending it on a sad note with the losses of Candy and uh, Arturo Rivera. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, we, um, 
uh, we're here each and every week, and uh, we hate to talk about those uh, sad things, but um, uh, we will be back uh, for another week uh, next week, and we'll live it up a little bit with uh, none other than Mr. McFoley. So uh, I want to thank you, uh, Donnie, of thank course, you. and Bob and <laughs> Alex, and uh, always a pleasure, and it's really good to be back uh, even though we haven't lost a beat with the podcast, I mean, because we had a few in the can, uh, we still haven't recorded in a couple of weeks. I, I want to be a cornball one more time. Welcome back, John. Thank That's you. I, I know it was a tough, a tough period here, and uh, it's nice to see everybody. So thanks, yeah. guys. It's good to be back in uh, this COVID thing. Just keep this. Be careful out there, everybody. Yeah, I mean, what can you do? You can't even be careful. It doesn't matter. It's going to. You know, it don't matter how careful you are either. I mean, it really does. It really doesn't, actually, because uh, I think I was the most careful person out there. I was yeah, so extremely uh, careful and mindful. And, uh, you know, even when uh, up in New York, I mean, I didn't even see my family for two and a half weeks while I was up there because they had gotten sick, you know. Uh, so um, anyway, what can you do? I mean, stay safe as much as you can out there. Uh, before we wrap it up here, I just want to uh, thank everybody, of course, for uh, being a patron. If you haven't joined already, patreon.com uh, slash John Arezzi. There's no other reason to really get into it, but uh, uh, you know that you should join. So go ahead and join. <laughs> what else can I say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, also, if you're listening to this podcast, no matter what platform you're on, please share it, share the links on social media. That helps us uh, give us a five star rating and review on it in Apple as well. And, you know, we're still waiting for questions to come in. I mean, we have an email address. Uh, if you want your questions answered here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, send us an email. Uh, just uh, send it over to Pro Wrestling Spotlight JA at gmail.com. We'd love to answer your questions here. Uh, so uh, send us a note and we'll be more than happy to answer whatever questions that you may have. And don't forget to check out the sister podcast, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering the shows at the Mecca of all arenas. 50 years to the day the show takes place. Uh, I was at uh, all of them, really, from August of 71 right through uh, mid-77 around there. Uh, a new episode uh, to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the shows at Madison Square Garden. So uh, that uh, new episode is up right now. Uh, just look for it, Matt Memories at Madison Square Garden. That show was co-hosted by Tim Putre and written by Richie Garcia. John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast is a production of Matt Memories, LLC. Our co-host is Bob Smith. Our producer and editor is A-Rob. Alex Robertson. Donnie Libel covers the time capsule each and every week. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight's creative director is our friend Marsh. And thanks to Patreon executive producers Jeremy Priest and Matt Walsh and all the patrons for your support for the production of this show. Until next week when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.